Welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and horror novels. I'm Evan. And I'm Chad. And today we have finally done it. We are in the last episode of the Lycanius Trilogy recaps. Woo! I am so excited. Oh boy, that was quite the ending. That was ridiculous. What an adventure. (laughs) (laughs) The Light of All That Falls was the longest book in the trilogy, and so many things happened. In the last 300 pages especially. I feel like not very much happened. Not enough happens in the first 500 pages. Huge stakes. Everyone's running around. Very stressful. And I think I got it. I think I got it too. That was what I was worried about was that I would get to the end and then feel like I had no idea what happened. But mm-hmm. I think I got it. I've said this before and I'll, I'll confirm it now. My trust was not misplaced. He Definitely did not. give it to us and answer the questions for the most part. Just before we get into this synopsis, I just want to kind of tip my hat to James Islington because not only was this trilogy really ambitious in scope and in detail, but time travel. You wrapped up a time travel plot very well. And Evan and I are both holding bottles of whiskey right now. And this one is for you, James. And for you, Evan. James. Thank you. This is a celebratory episode, but we are going to keep things clear and concise. We have some very long synopses for you, and we're going to start with mine right now. Take us away. In the Doken, Asha and Diara speak about Caden and the Venerate. Diara makes her case, pleading with Asha to listen and disbelieve Caden's views. Caden returns to the Doken, saying he knows Davian will leave Talangol in a week. Caden informs Asha that they will use Ilseth Tenvar's body as a proxy in place of Asha in the tributary. Caden and Diara speak, then Asha and Caden leave the Doken. Four months have passed in Zavalar. Davian and Tal experiment with vessels. Istheris attempts to take Raylith back to the scavenging party, but Nia kills Istheris. Raylith gives Davian a ring, the same one he'd had in his own time. Tal gives Davian the time vessel, saying Davian will need it upon his return to Ilshan Dathgelteth. Davian finds out that Raylith and Nia are romantically involved. Weir and the Andaran army survey the alleged location of the Gilshar army, but they're nowhere to be found. Ishel appears and says she can feel the banes, even though nobody can see them. Weir and Terrace follow Ishel to a spot where they see three Gilshar moving toward them. They have a trap, which incapacitates Weir. Ishel makes them kill each other, and they follow the survivor into the Desrelite camp. Aaron sees that the Desrelites have the columns. Weir and his Andaran officers confer about fighting 10,000 Desrealite soldiers paired with 2,000 Banes. They discuss taking out the invisibility vessel and cutting the essence bridges. Alaris was supposed to lead this army, but Talcomar dealt with him. The Andarans attack the Desrealite camp, but fall back as the Elatai are roused. Ishel sacrifices herself, and the Elatai begin attacking the Dargathan. As Caden finishes connecting Tenvar to the tributary, Asha heads to the village of shadows below. She asks if any of the shadows want to help her, and a group of volunteers accompany her and Caden through a gate to where Weir is fighting. Davian wakes to the tower in Zavalar collapsing. The suppression of time corruption is weakening, and the Algoriat are getting closer. Davian is caught by Thesheth, one of the Dargathan. He is brought back to Talangol to face Cassandrid. Davian feigns ignorance and puts on a showy fight. Cassandra tells Davian he is to contact Asha. After meeting with Aniria, Davian reveals he knows she is Nethgala and tells her he needs her help shapeshifting into a Dargathan. Nethgala takes Davian to the cells under Ilshangathdelteth and tells Davian that she is trying to figure out how to transport Lycanius back to Tal. Nethgala asks what Davian knows about shapeshifting, and Davian mentions that in order to do so, you have to have killed someone in order to take their imprint. Nathgala tells Davian she needs a few days to get the specifics of this sort of transformation correct. Rethgar takes Davian to speak with Asha in the past. Davian tells Asha to tell Nathgala that Talcomar is taking Lycanius to the wells, not to trust Siner and everything else he said in Asha's room in Elin Elan. After the connection is broken, 
Davian kills Rethgar and flees to the safe room Nefgala instructed him to hide inside until she comes to find him. Caden and Asha join the Andaran fight against the Gilshar. They convene with Terris and Weir and decide to go into the camp to speak with the enemy. Caden tries to prove his godhood, but gets stabbed with a spear of one of the Venerates making as a result. He is taken to a sort of holding room where he finds Aaron and the dead body of Siner. Aaron gives Caden Siner's medallion and tells Caden to use it on Ishel. Aaron is taken away and later executed. Asha rescues Caden from the Desrelite camp. Davian succeeds at shapeshifting into a Dark Aethan. A portal opens in Ilshan Gathdelteth, which can only be Caden arriving, looking for Lycanius and attempting to free Davian. Against Nethgala's suggestions, Davian decides to stick to his plan to go back and save his friends from Zavalar. Everything is developing very well here. Shame about Aaron. Really liked Aaron. I really liked Aaron too. I don't really care about Siner. No, no, Shiner could have died like a whatever death. I'm kind of glad that he died in this, like, because he was like, oh, he's really big, bad. And at one point he's like, man, at one point I took on like 30 dudes simultaneously when he was like assassinating kind of were. And then at the end, he's just like lying there. It's like, how'd he go? I don't know. It was sad. It was sad. We had an auger problem, so, and only one amulet. So he needed to go, but man. And a shell. I liked a shell. Uh, I really thought Davian and a shell were going to get together. Me too. I, I was really fully that. wrong on her evolution, her involvement, her arc, everything I was wrong on a shell. Speaking of a shell, I have a question. She kind of sacrifices herself. Was she just super tapped into that hive mind? How was she able to direct that attack? I don't, that was really vague. Is she just kind of like crumbled in on herself? This is my suspicion and I think I'm right. So right before she crumples, she's telling him they don't want to go attack because they're still trying to reform their mind. They're, them as a race have never experienced the loss that they have when Caden burned everyone in Ilan Elan. So they're just laying low, trying to reformulate their mind. What Ishel did, having a direct contact stream into that mind, was since she already has a formed mind, she basically was like, boom, I'm taking over. My mind is your mind and builds it for them and kind of becomes the hive mind. So she was kind of like the alpha Elotai? Yes. Okay. yes. So okay. she does what I kind of predicted would happen with Asha, which does not happen to Asha, which is she becomes something greater than herself, right? She she evolves into something else. She's like, okay, I can fix this problem. She sees them Cohen, realizes that they have a weakness in their brain, and then punches her way into their brain and becomes their brain. Okay, that makes sense. I, yeah. I guess I just wish that like maybe there had been some sort of conversation about the hive mind before when yeah. she had first kind of been afflicted. I mean, maybe at the time, if, if Islington had done that, it would have seemed boring and dumb or something. Right, or maybe like, we could have uh, predicted it or something. Or it but, would have just been another piece of information to hold in our in our yeah. information buckets. So it's kind of cool that that happened. And I mean, the visual was really great. Yeah, it really um, was. So I think, because at first I was like, okay, where is she existing if she's all of their brains and minds? And then I had a really good thought of that. It's kind of like the blockchain, that it's not centralized, right? It's a decentralized ledger. So she exists in all of their brains simultaneously. And everyone is using their own computing power to create the shell that is now see everybody we can compare the blockchain and crypto to fantasy you yeah. all said we couldn't and we just did <laughs> boom bane hive mind done and then she takes him over and flies off into nothing i will say that i was a bit disappointed and that that was the period to her her character sentence mm -hmm. i expected at least at the very end, like her to come in and save the day one last time or for her to at least fly by and then like see like, oh, no, this Bane is about to attack me. And then they see like a twinkle in one of them's <laughs> eye and they realize that she's not truly gone and they fly off, you know, that would have been so corny, but also I know. cool. I just yeah. wanted that. <laughs> also, essence bridges. So can we physically walk on essence now? Because no if we can. We should make an Essence spaceship and be using that to transport everybody a long time ago. I have, I have no idea. Like, that's like one of the, the things about this series, I feel like, is that Essence seems to be able to do or not do whatever the <laughs> situation calls for. So limited till it's so not. Which is not, I'm not going to say that that's, this is the only series where that happens. 
obviously, no. but it is just one of those things. I love the visual. Yeah. Of them taking out the bridge and the whole army like falling to their that was cool. Right. But I was confused. When Caden comes and gets Asha out of the dock end, do they leave Diara in there? I don't really know what was up with that. So, okay, so Garrodus, we just never hear from again at all. Right. Which is weird. Um, but that's, you know, not not what you were asking, but still a good question. <laughs> I think that Diara Diara, in my opinion, was the most kind of like level headed of the venerate, it seemed. It seemed like she she understood both sides of the argument. What and while she still very much believed in her own, by the time Caden gets there, I don't know if you remember, but he has like this kind of weird back and forth with Diara that Asha yeah. can't hear. And Diara seems very kind of resigned. She seems kind of resigned to just stay put. And I don't really, and it doesn't say what Caden says to her, but he kind of like kisses her on the forehead. And then Asha's like, why don't, what is up with that? And Caden's like, we're like best friends. Yeah. I've known her for like five, 4,000 years. Right. So, and I think that what happened there was Caden essentially was like, hey, because of whatever reason that I don't know, me, Evan, personally, like he was basically like, you're not getting out of here. We're going to go figure this out. Sorry. You know, okay. that seemed to be what the situation was. I'm not a big fan of that execution, if that's actually what was going on. But that's the best I've got. OK, and I, just... I think that makes sense. I was confused as to whether or not she was still alive or if they destroyed the duck in on their way out. They did, I don't think they destroyed the duck in. No. OK, OK. Oh, one thing that I really liked a lot, but at first I didn't like it. At first, I thought Davian turning into a Dargaithan or even like asking to was the dumbest possible out of left field thing that could happen. I was reading it and it's like the last word of that chapter. It's like, yeah. I need you to help me turn into a dark Ethan. And I was just like, this is jumping all kinds of sharks. Like what the hell is going on now? But then I thought about it more and it makes a lot of sense. It was a brilliant idea. Um, so that, I really liked that whole road that I went down. It was very windy. I went from thinking this is the dumbest possible thing we could be doing to what a great plan because Dargathan aren't affected by the time stream because of their scales. Like him practicing the transformation was really awesome because it's like you still keep most of your mind, but you kind of like take on a little bit of the other person's mind. And I loved how he was talking to Nethgala about it because she's been doing this forever. I don't know. The, the whole thing was really awesome. He gets all I, pissy. Right. Like, I'm yeah. so pissed off all the time. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it a lot. It was fun. It was like it was like funny and badass and smart all at the same time. It was really cool. I'm glad that that was one of the things that you liked because I remember reading one night and I hadn't gotten to that part yet. And I get a text from you <laughs> that says, <laughs> Davian wants to be a Dargathan. What the actual? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, and then when I got there, I was like, okay, that's kind of confusing. But see, I didn't stop there for the day. Right. I kept reading on and I quickly learned like, that's why. And so I wasn't nearly as confused. I was like, actually, it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I know. I think at that moment I texted you and then put the book down for the day. Yeah, I think you did. it was late. It was really late. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was like two in the morning and I was just yeah. like, I can't with this book anymore right now. <laughs> but those it's are the twists and turns. Not a two turns. in the morning book. Right. Those are, those are the twists and turns that you get reading Lycanius, though. Darn straight. So one of the things that I really liked was there was very few times that Asha and Caden get to really work together. And when they escape the desrealite keep i love that they're both yeah. there's it's like an emotional scene because they both just learned that aaron where caden wasn't too close with aaron but asha certainly was so she's pissed and she's just recently got this whole ocean access coming out of the dock in after training she is ready to fire away and caden is also just like you know i just spent the day with a spear through my mouth <laughs> oh yeah that was a pretty wild visual for sure <laughs> yeah he can't even talk when he, she first finds him it's just like uh, oh, oh. <laughs> like blood just coming out it's like very cool that you can't die because essence is healing you but also man you can get in some painful situations right but yeah their escape is just wild they're jumping and leaping and blocking and shooting essence out yeah kaden and asha was a pairing that i didn't really think was going to happen yeah i'm glad we got to see their that duo deal some hurt once at least because they're both like the most powerful characters absolutely i mean besides davian who they can't they can't enlist him they're trying right. to they I mean but he's just no you know all right with all that i think we can dive right into our second synopsis because this is the ultimate final one and we have a lot of thoughts and a lot of things to say a lot of questions fire away chad 
All right. After Nathgala leaves Davian to find and aid Caden, Davian sets off to the portal that will take him back to Savalar. En route, he is intercepted by Gassandred. Anger courses through Davian, seeing that he is wearing the skin of Fessy. A fight ensues, metal plates shifting, Essence and Khan thrown haphazardly around as Davian attempts to reach the portal, Gassandred attempting to thwart his progress every step. Davian manages to come out victorious and catches Gassandred with a metal plate, splattering Fessy and jumps into the portal. Arriving at Savalar, Davian sees he has minutes before the entire area destroys itself, destroying his friends with it. He sees Tal, Neha, and Raylith, desperately surrounded but still okay. Rushing to them, he quickly explains his plan to change them into Dargathan, and due to the unique properties of their scales, they will survive the time journey. Out of other options, they begrudgingly agree. After saying their goodbyes, they put on the vessels to transform. Niha's doesn't work until Tao, placing a hand on her head and stomach, does something and she begins to shapeshift. Both make it successfully out. Wurr's small remaining band of a hundred soldiers are fighting desperately against thousands of Desrealites. Exhausted and quickly losing, knocked to the ground with an enemy poised above him for the death blow, blood splatters across his face as an arrow grows out of his attacker's eye, crumpling to the ground. Wurr loses consciousness. Caden and Asha and Ilshan Gothdelteth meet up with Nathgala and allow her to join them and assist them in retrieving Lycanius. Deep under the city, they make their way into Shemeloth's lair. A dark, seemingly endless cavern awaits them and they finally come into the presence of Shemeloth. A deep, booming voice attempts to subvert Caden by showing him memories and revealing truths, one of which is that Nathgala killed Caroline and took over her form. In a fit of blind rage, Caden throws Nathgala into the void. Davian joins them, and they are able to retrieve Lycanius and escape, but not before Caden is overpowered and stabbed with Lycanius by an Al Goriath. Using her immense essence pool, Asha manages to keep Caden alive. They create a vessel that allows Caden to draw some of her essence and keep himself alive. Taking Lycanius, they manage to kill a sleeping Daria and learn that Gassandrid is at Dylanus and head that way. Wurr awakes to find that his savior is none other than the missing siblings, Dizia and Aelric, who have managed to secure the assistance of a tribe from Nesk who have brought their entire army to assist. Via the help of the army, and just in the nick of time, they prevent the Desrealites from activating the columns and restarting the world. Wurr sadly departs from Dietzia and Aelric, and using the travel stones, portals to Asha, Caden, Davian, and Terris, who are preparing to sneak into Dylanus and kill Gisandred. By using the tunnels beneath Dylanus, they gain entry into the Serarium. A battle ensues, and the Fellowship emerge victorious, but not without losing Terris. Needing to prevent the Dargaithan army from coming into Dylanus, they head up into the city, fighting desperately to hold off the horde. Caden portals to the wells, needing to finish off the last of the augurs. After offering the amulet and being turned down by a stubborn Alaris, Caden kills him with Lycanius, destroying his reserve and eliminating him for good. Returning to the desperate battle at Dylanus, just in the nick of time, Caden, fed with a new anger at the injustice of it all, begins slaying the attacking swarm in earnest. Fighting hard enough to earn a momentary reprieve, he develops a plan. He surprises Davian, knowing that he is fated to go back in time and get slain by a former version of himself. He uses the Diagring amulet on Davian so that he no longer has to go back in time or die for the world to be closed off from Khan. After removing Davian's auger powers and saluting the others goodbye, he uses the Javet to go back in time. When Caden leaves the present, it removes the final bit of Khan from the world, effectively cutting Shemeloth and the Darklands off. The book ends with Asha, 
Wurr, and Davian, reminiscing on the friends and loved ones lost, and the work before them to fully bring peace back to this shattered world. During the epilogue, we learn that Caden, after jumping into the Javet, visits Niha and realizes that the baby she has birthed is none other than Davian. He convinces her that in order to fulfill his fate, she must give young Davian to him so he can deliver him to Terrace at Caladel. Returning to the time void, he gets a chance to see his love one last time and finally say the goodbye he was denied so many years ago. During which, he realizes what he must do, and in a poetic turn of events, returns to the time void, shape changes into Davian, and then confronts a past version of himself. Caden from the past, then kills Caden of the present. Wow. Wow. What a wrap up. Holy cow. I was, I mean, I guess I was like kind of thinking that Davian dying wasn't actually Davian dying. Like, I didn't know the the specifics of it, Mm -hmm. but first in in my head, I was kind of like, all right, at the end of this, Davian being dead is not going to be Davian being dead. But I was not expecting that at all. Me neither. And I expected one of those two to be one of the other two or like someone to be someone else like. Well, because you and I, on like the fifth episode of this, <laughs> we thought that Davian and Talcomar were the exact same person the whole time. Yep. But we weren't totally wrong. We were mostly no. wrong, but we weren't 100% wrong. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. And Caden kills himself. I didn't see that one coming. Not until no. the last couple chapters, at least. I mean, and it, and it really sews up a lot of different things, too. Mm-hmm. And like I said at the beginning of the episode, tying this kind of time travel plot together he must have been so excited when he figured out that he could do that right yes. like he could like like while he was writing it he was just like i've got it this will sew all of this up so nicely i mean mostly nicely there's still mostly a lot of nicely. loose ends. i mean yeah, yeah. i don't <laughs> let's not get I mean, too ahead it's, of ourselves it's a, here. it's a messy burrito but it, it tasted pretty good going down i had plenty of napkins for the grease yeah right it was I, I meant it when in my summary, I said it was a poetic end because it's like he was the thing that began this long series of events that ends in him kind of fixing it all by killing himself. Very, very cool way, in my opinion, to bring the Caden story to an end by starting it. So I have a question. Do you think that was actually Shemeloth that Caden was talking to? Yes, I like think that so. was. That was the big, bad, manipulating Caden, Shemeloth. That was the big, shadowy, shady Shemeloth in the flesh and not the flesh. Okay. Yeah. Because I don't know what to believe, which I like. I like that it's ambiguous. Personally, for me, it's ambiguous. I think maybe some other people that are reading this would probably land on a more defined answer, but I I didn't. And maybe I missed something there. But one, first, I like what you just said and that I like him kind of being... A theory, this idea that I get to it's kind of godlike you know is that it's like he doesn't have one form he is a thing greater than form itself you know I like that idea now I can contradict myself by saying there's a scene when he visits Alaris right and kills him that he says I can prove to you that Shemeloth isn't god and then he like puts his he does like Vulcan mind melds with Alaris and he shows Shemeloth like slithering around or something. Totally. Oh yeah. And I'm like, wait, when do we see that? Well, Caden kind of does. Uh, it's very, very subtle. Like Caden, Caden's okay. kind of like passing out or whatever, and he like sees. I remember that pretty specifically. When he was does, that? It was like when he got stabbed. Okay, in um, Shemeloth's lair. Yeah, and then when okay. he goes back and talks to Alaris, and I thought that was a really interesting part too. When Alaris, it was so sad. Because Caden's just like, look, I can prove this to you right, right. now. And Alaris is just like, you're lying to me. Mm-hmm. And so like, right then, poor Caden is just like, this. he's lost. Right. It's over. And I don't like, have I the have time to... to convince you. And I can't. Yeah. I can't. No, he can't convince him. He doesn't have time. The stakes are way too high. He's got to go. And he tried. Yep. He really tried. He was like, look, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to show you, the, you this. You have to believe me. Hard proof. Yep. And that and, was that was really, really tragic. Yeah, and a good look into how certain thoughts, certain dogmas, when even faced with irrevocable evidence, people will still 
double down on what they believe. And it's just kind of an interesting look into our own human brain and its, um, its, its need to be correct. You would think that the world being at stake would help, but it's almost like the world being at stake helps him to double down too. Right. So yeah, that whole scene I think was crucial because we needed to keep a certain amount of humanity in that relationship up until the very end. Mm-hmm. And when it when it really yeah I was so like because we've already had a couple different altercations between Caden and Alaris and every one of them has been really emotional and so that last one was just really brutal to read pretty brutal and he did it so like gently right you know just yeah. slid it between and like yeah. he held him he held like like face to face you know oh Caden's just... just having such a rough day. oh dude poor guy. <laughs> Can you imagine like holding your best friend of 4,000 years face to face where you're just like, oh man, hurts to think about. Um, okay. I have two questions actually. Okay. Um, okay. This one I just thought of because it reminded me of when Alaris took out his friend, the girl, crazy venerate who was attacking this, the, in book two, right? Oh. And he like slips the dagger into her and he holds her close yeah. as she dies, but he's not using Lycanius at that time. So she would get rebirthed. Yeah, what when the did hell she get taken to... out? Because she's got to go. She's got to go. Wait a minute. What the hell happened to a Ciliar? Ciliar, thank you. I don't know. Because he like, like she's getting rebirthed somewhere. We should ask James. Oh, we should ask James. And he's going to be like, hey, idiots, I had a whole chapter. <laughs> right, I know. It's very clear right here. I didn't think about that until just now. And it was just wow. because it was very reminiscent of that. Yeah. The, 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 like the gentleness that he killed her with. Should have had like a last paragraph, just like a silly R, like waking yeah. up in a field somewhere. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. They throw like, <laughs> they throw like Hanius off into like, I think she's like, oh man, wakes up and just stabs her, you know? So you blew my mind. Huh. And yeah, you gave me the list, the missing piece of information that allowed me to figure out the rest of the story right then and there. Cause I was a little ahead of you. And we, I called you, we were talking on the phone one night and you were asking questions and in leaving Savelar, Tal puts his hand on Neha, his, her head and her stomach so she can transform. And I'm pretty sure she was pregnant. And right then Evan goes, yeah, I think that that's Davian and they're Davian's parents. And I was like, <laughs> and then the whole, all the dominoes just like fell into place for the whole rest of the story. And I was right from then on out. So I got How- so excited. I did, but I couldn't tell you because you weren't that right. far in the story yet. That was smart, dude. How did you do that? How did you know that? I mean, he's been getting awfully close to, like up until that point, he had been getting like really close to, to Raylith and even Nia. And I thought, I kept thinking like, they're so familiar with each other. I mean, like so much time has passed. It, like it kind of harps a couple of times on just how close they all are. We haven't heard anything about Davian's parents up until the, this point. Right. I mean, he's got to have parents. Parents, yeah. right? <laughs> um, Raylith gives Davian this ring, which I th- it's just that because that kind of like I was like, what the hell's going on here? Right. He's also very and, fatherly to him, and not to mention that Davian was so dead set on getting back to Zavalar. and obviously Davian's a, Davian's a good guy. Of course, but it's just all of that together. I was just like, there's something going on here with Raylith and Nia. Like he's so, it's such a big point in these books. And we're getting so close to the end here that they have, like everything has to be. It it means something. Right. Like everything has to be significant in these last couple hundred pages. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I kind of just, I mean, I was a guess, but I, when I guessed it. It was a great guess. Like I guessed it. And then your reaction, I was like, oh, I'm probably right. If, if because you were just like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it just, the whole rest, like I didn't know some of the details, but I was just like, oh my gosh. Okay. This is at some point Tal goes to her and then he's the one who storks. Caden over to Terrace at uh, Kaladin and just like all the pieces I just like thought done. So one thing that I really loved about this whole end sequence was Asha holding up that huge Ilshara essence shield and the Banes are like smacking into it and the sky is like this giant void. What an awesome visual. It felt really epic. It felt earned. It was Asha's time to shine. It was great. That whole mm-hmm. thing, like, and she just handles it. And and oh. it kind of, like, 
specifically like says <laughs> it specifically says like how difficult it is for her it's like tearing her up mm -hmm. i just love that whole visual i think that you know like i've had some trouble with immersion with these books yes but there are points where it's so clear it's so clear what's going on and like i really do that was like one of the moments in this series where in my mind i could see just how earth shattering this event was and it felt like like i could hear everything it was loud and like windy and i could i could it was really really excellent and and i think that having a part like that with that much gravity at the end of this book right at the breaking point was just excellent really well done totally agree they even mentioned like the screams that are coming out of the like rifts to the dark lands totally it's like physically affecting them all two things one have you ever seen world war z yeah you know like they're all like the the zombies are coming up to the city i think totally. it's like yeah like jerusalem maybe and it's they're a like really piled big scene up. yeah 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 um, are you picturing that yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of them climbing outside just like oh because they're like squished up against i love that and two, I think you felt the gravitas more than I think even like Caden and were and Davian of what she's pulling off because a few times they like stopped to chat and she's like over there like sweating. <laughs> I know. <laughs> You're right. Asha's so cool. I think this uh, Asha kind of pulled ahead of Weir here for me as my yep. favorite character. Me too. Um, not that Weir wasn't good, but I mean, Weir yeah. was just kind of like doing the thing Weir was always going to do. Yeah. Um, and I think like, Asha training like she did, wielding this immense amount of power. She's not overconfident, but she's so capable and proactive. Like, just kick-ass, kick-ass character. Totally. She needed to be there. They could not have done any of that without Asha. No, no, so. no. She was the linchpin for it all. We're being so dependable makes him not so exciting or as exciting as sometimes. But, like, he's, he's, he's a so, straight man. He's a straight man. And even at the end, when they're all sitting there, he says, you know, and I think that you've or there make a joke because they're like, well, you know, like we'll come and help you. But like we've probably earned a little bit of a respite. And he's like, <laughs> even takes one for the team, not being like, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. It's he's like, like got, yeah, you guys do. do. And but he's like, I got to go work. You know, it's like, man, he's still taking one for the team. What a guy. I was a really big fan on how Caden at the end it was just nice that, that James put this in there where he gets to go back and get the closure that he never got with right. Elle. He gets to say goodbye to her. And that's kind of like all he ever wanted. Like, he, I mean, yeah, he wanted to save her, but I think that's what he needed, you know? And it was just nice that he could go do that. And I just, it was touching. That got me right in the chest, right in the yeah. feels when he was like, can we just sit here a little bit longer? And it's just, mm -hmm. uh, it's like he knows, but she doesn't know. Yep. And it's just, it's this nice setting and she's beautiful. And it's just, ah, uh, buddy. You oh, know what? No. It felt to me kind of like that first scene of the new, the, the, the new three Star Wars or Star Trek movies where the um, uh, James Kirk's father is like oh, yeah, saving yeah, everybody yeah, and he's totally. driving into the thing, you know, and they're discussing what they're going to name their child, you right. know? Yeah. So <laughs> he's like, tragic. not Tiberius, that's so, but he's so heroic. Like, I was just like weeping and I was like, you know, a minute and a half into the movie. <laughs> that might have been one of my favorite scenes in the whole trilogy. Yeah. Just that short couple of pages. That's another good example of something that just, like, I didn't really think too much about it because I had so much rattling around in my brain. But when they start talking to each other, I remember th thinking, this needs to be here. Yeah, this is really important. It's it. This is kind of hurting a little bit. That kind of hopeless, doomed love. Right. Ooh, that'll always get it's, me. Oh, always gets me too. However, it does inspire him. That's when he has the idea of like, oh shoot, I know what I need to do. And it was one side of me was kind of disappointed that that he. I thought he had that idea when he first deaugered Davian. Like, of course he's going to shapeshift and go back and be Davy, and that's the only way out of this but he just doesn't have that thought until he's sitting with her and he's like oh i know what i need to do and i was like oh he didn't already know that okay but yes you're right that is what you need to do <laughs> and speaking of the ending i think that earns its own little conversation here um i'm gonna go ahead and say that while i think the ending made a lot of sense and it works and i think it's brilliant for what it is i was a little bit let down just in the sense that like Caden's not really doing anything. He's just realizing 
what, what he's already been. done. Yeah, and it's like, <laughs> it's like, whoa, okay. I mean, I yeah. guess, and I guess you know, maybe I didn't really know what I was expecting. Um, I think that maybe the reason that the ending of this trilogy is so applauded by everybody that's read it is because of how much sense it all makes. It just just this simple act of how he tied it all together is it is very satisfying mm -hmm. but there is kind of that for me personally it's just kind of like oh well yeah that makes sense and then the book right. is over it's um, like well he was fated to do that did, did, did they gain freedom at the end i don't know because like know the either. thing happened that was always going to so it's right. like okay well is this uh, is this still all on rails Right, and if the answer is it doesn't matter, then it, like doesn't that kind of make the antagonist not matter for the whole book? No, because even in the end conversation with Weir and Asha and Davian, one of them is even like, so did we do it? And yeah. the other one's like, I guess we'll never know. And it's like, you wouldn't have known before. if <laughs> You motherfucker. <laughs> like, you wouldn't have known. But I mean, like, that's why there's that consequence kind of looming over everyone's head. Right. Where, like, the dark lands are going to come... You know what I mean? So it, it was a great thought and it was cool to chew on, but it was like that was one of my problems with it was like the whole the whole like fate thing doesn't affect regardless of whether or not they actually do it or don't, doesn't affect the average person minute to minute. Like they have no idea. But you know what? And and here's here's something that I think is really important to say with this trilogy. And this is just me personally, but like if somebody asked me what my desert island trilogy would be. Hmm. I think it would be this, <laughs> and I know that's such a weird answer, but let me let me explain myself. So the reason okay. that I the reason I would pick this as my desert island trilogy is because I feel like I could read this five times and get something new out of it every time. Because while while we're making complaints about maybe things like not really making sense or like um, not feeling like they were super earned or whatever, we could make all kinds of minuscule complaints. I bet there's a line somewhere that we missed or forgot about that would explain it. As I think that this might be way tighter than we're giving it credit for, you know? And that kind of leads right. that kind of leads me into my end of the book, end of the trilogy thoughts. If uh, would you would you like that? Would you you want to want to get into that? I do, and I have my own that I would like to give cool. you as well. So, these are my these are my end of the trilogy thoughts on the Lycanius trilogy. First of all, I think this is a massively ambitious series for Islington's debut. There were a lot of conversations and themes in this trilogy that made me think in ways I hadn't really before, which is always great in a fantasy book. Totally. You want to find the truth within the lie. Uh, the whole idea of fate being this locked in step thing, the question of whether our actions really matter if everything is just sort of on rails made me stop and consider even when I wasn't reading. So if I'm thinking about a book, even when I'm not reading it, like that's also great. And that totally happened with these. The story is excellent. The ideas are deep and fleshed out. But my problem with the series, and one reason I wouldn't recommend it to people that haven't read a lot of fantasy, is its delivery, its execution. Mm. It's so convoluted. There are so many tiny details we're expected to remember that the whole experience feels like reading a textbook. It feels like work to yeah. the degree that not only am I not really immersed in this world, I don't much care either way what happens to anybody. Like by the time I had gotten to the end of this, I was happier to have it wrapped up than sad to see it finished. All of that being said, this has by no means turned me off from reading anything else from Islington. He's a he's got a terrific mind, and I'm excited to see what else he can do with like better editing and maybe like a big publisher behind him, like Orbit, which is who this is published through. I mean, he was self-published at first; it got picked up by Orbit. So I am really, really keen, as the Australians would say, <laughs> on. <laughs> on seeing what this new he's got a new trilogy coming out and i want to see you know maybe if maybe if some of the chaff is kind of cut yes right because i don't want to say this was unfocused i think maybe it was multi-focused mm -hmm. in a way that which made me feel like my reading my personal reading experience felt more like a chore than like something i was really enjoying right so that's my 
that's like kind of my thoughts. Like I would recommend it, but I would only recommend it if you've already read a decent amount of epic fantasy. This is not for epic fantasy beginners. No, at not least at in all. my opinion. And we went into it thinking it was. If you remember back at the year, like, we man, we got did. a simple one to get us started. I agree. And my, my end of book thoughts are very similar. Your statement that it was kind of like a textbook, I felt fully. And in fact, just looking at my notes, um, just in this book, in this book alone, I have 28 pages of word vomit notes. He delivers. He takes too long to do it. He needed to give me more right. earlier and not pack all this info into the end because that point at that point like you said it's hard to care all the components for an excellent story were here and james should be proud of the world the unique and original ideas he brought to life and like scott he has very good ideas the baseline of the story was very solid excellent thoughtful creative one of his strengths which i really enjoyed because it kept me on my toes was He's predictably unpredictable. He leads you down a pathway that you're like, I've seen this one before. I know how this is going to end. And right when you can't get more certain that you know what's going to happen, he just left hooks you and you're just like, whoa. And he takes the story in a totally different direction. And that kept it fresh and fun and exciting. I really laud his ability to do that. What I didn't like was that there were so many layers to this story. It just felt like you said, just kind of cumbersome as he, he adds in layer upon layer of complexity. And I'm finally like, okay, okay. The complexity storm has settled. The waters have evened out a little bit. We're going to, we're going to actually just going to use what we've got so far. All the pieces are in play. And then nope, he would introduce five more pieces in the next chapter. And I'd be like, Oh wow. Okay. I'm back to figuring stuff out. And he spent way more time building his world and giving me information and not enough time making me care about the story and the characters. Yeah, it's funny. I mean, like I care about certain things. Yeah. It's not like I didn't care about anything, but the final kind of outcome, I was just like, well, like if yeah. weird if weird died, it would be a bummer but I wouldn't have like thrown my book across the room. Like I right. wouldn't have, I mean, it would have been like, Oh, okay. Like weird died. Um, I would have been like sad. All right. <laughs> yes. I want the world to be, have a depth to it and have, you know, gravitas, but like, I'm, I, I want the characters. I want to develop relationship with the characters. And that's really what pulls me into a story. You know, and it's funny too, because I don't think that he like 100% missed the mark on that. No. It's not like he wasn't trying to do that. I was legitimately emotional when Caden met up with Elle at the end. You exactly. Know? I was like, yes. Yeah. You know? There are, and that's you know, there there are those parts, but I think that the parts do not create a larger whole. Yes. It's there's not enough of the good parts between the frustrating and boring parts for me to feel satisfied. Really S slate sated. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm more satisfied that I'm finished than sad that. I can't read anymore. Right. And yeah, I spent too much time dissecting all the individual pieces to just enjoy the character as a, or to enjoy the story as a good tale. So yeah, like you said, I'm, I enjoyed it. I'm glad we read it, uh, but I am excited to move on to the next thing. And I think one of the biggest positives that this story really did was it, it made your, this was the first read along that we've done together as podcasters and it made us better than a lesser tale would right totally. we struggled together we did and we and learned we a lot about each other out, right and we had to figure out like okay it's very tempting for us to try to like dig into this thing and really pick it apart but with with epic fantasy you can't really do that you know right. that's like one of my problems with uh, not a problem but that's one of the things with um the king killer series it's like, I'm so tempted to just dig into Quoth's right. character, but you can't because like, dude, you're a barrel in a river. Right, float, baby. exactly. So <laughs> it's like, now that the trilogy's finished, obviously we can kind of do that to an extent, right. but that is one of the lessons that at least I, as like a reviewer, as a content creator, as a podcast host, that's one of the kind of takeaways that I've gotten. And I'm really appreciative after having read these books to have gotten there is that you kind of need to hold off major judgment of things until you've got 
then you know, either closure or the book is the books are finished because like we've said multiple times Islington is very very good at at least fulfilling his promises even if it does feel a little bit clunky sometimes yes well said uh, okay so let's talk for a second about promises that I feel are left unfulfilled <laughs> while we're talking about that <laughs> yeah that's a good segue good segue um DTN Elric how did Dizia become the red man? She's like, it's a long story. And we're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And just bounces. Like, can you give me like the elevator pitch? Like, okay, yeah, but we went down here. We did this. We got this magic item and let him do this. And boom, I'll take the deets later. Islington said in the last, after the epilogue, there's like this little note from James Islington. I don't know if you read no, it. I did not He's basically know. saying like, there's a whole other book that he's planning on writing uh, for. Yeah. So whoops. Uh, like I said, okay, if it's not in the epilogue, bro, <laughs> but he knows, I mean, like, and that's, you know, and I will probably read that too, because I am yeah, curious. I, I kind of want to figure out what's up with Nesk. Um, but that did feel a little bit like a deus ex machina. Like mm -hmm. it really did feel kind of like, um, like I think, Maybe what might have happened is that we've got this entire army and maybe the scope got too big and now we need to narrow it back down. And the way that we can kind of like get rid of this whole like there's a thousand of these guys and 10,000 of these guys is that we can kind of like bring in this other army and then they can just go fight that battle over there while our, our heroes are dealing with this stuff. And I, and I don't know if that's exactly what was going on, but it just it kind of felt like, all right, we put a bow on that. Yeah. Um. And it just didn't feel very earned or anything. It just no. felt like it felt like Dizia and Aelric just kind of got done dirty. Yeah. Um, and I had a big prediction that they were going to be a, like a clincher. And I was both right and wrong. It was weird. I felt unfulfilled. I think this is just my theory. But I think that Islington had such a kick-ass ending. And just while he was writing that ending... Dizia and Ilric were just not fitting into it. Right. And if they were, well, and maybe not trivial, but if they were fitting into it, he was going to have to write a whole like 5,000 more page, like uh, words on, you know what I mean? He'd have to tack on like, so like it would have been a, a 1100 page book. Right. I I'm, mean, I'm going to ask him why yeah, he, he decided to do that. Cause it almost feels as if he wrote it and the editor was like, man, you take like 200 pages to just go off in La La Land Nesk down here. Let's just make this your next series. You know what's funny though? It's just like make it four books. I don't know. Yeah. Or or six. Or I six. Mean, it should be six. Like I would rather have read six books mm -hmm. that made sense than, <laughs> yeah. than three books that were difficult to get through. Yeah. But they look they look really pretty on my shelf. They they're all really the same do. length. This book definitely felt a little bit padded out. Oh yeah. In the wrong areas, it didn't need to be. Well, and there were kind of allusions to other things that had happened that sounded really interesting that we just kind of like mention. Like when Weir gets attacked by the Shateth in the council chambers or whatever, it gets like stabbed. It's like, yeah. that would have been a really cool scene to see. Like, totally. We're just not going to. I just started this. the book with that. It would have been great. I just remembered when Weir leaves to go meet up with the, the fellowship, Aelric goes, hey, tell Davian that his swordsmanship needs some work or something. So, like, clearly yeah. he was the one in the, in the like, um, right. arena. Oh, in the fighting. arena. Yeah. Yeah. I just am remembering that I don't right know what, now. Wow. Yeah. So I felt a little unfulfilled there. And I wish, I don't know, maybe send out an email, bro. I didn't read your little afterward after the after that thing that comes after the book that you're supposed to tell me the afterthoughts i didn't read the after the afterthought afterthought uh, okay and the other thing that i am really unfulfilled on and i would love it if you just had this like moment but i don't know man um that creature oh i have no idea what that was that says when you find me you can undo all things was that l was that no what, what is no that idea. creature i have no idea yeah that was like i i have no idea and i think I think I should with, I think that's something that he wants me to earn and I feel like I've earned it and I still don't have it and I'm not going to work any harder. I'm a little <laughs> salty. <laughs> Cause like, if I feel like there's something philosophical, like it's him spirit form coming, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that's a good thing to ask James because everybody listening, if you want to send some emails our way, we are going to do a whole other episode after this where Chad and I are going to read the prologue together we're going to talk about the prologue because I think that that's very much in order. Yeah. And we're going to read out some emails that we've sent to James Islington. And 
we're going to give away Ooh. a signed copy of his book uh, because he was awesome and sent him all the way from Australia. Thank so, you, James. Yeah, thank you, James. Thank you so much. Um, so yeah, we have the um, a copy of the first one in the series and he signed it for us and we're going to give it away to our Patreons, even the lowest level Patreon. So if you want a chance to win that, hop aboard that Patreon ship because we're going to be doing that the next episode. Also, if you want to ask any questions, um, send them to me in the next day. Like, stop this like right now. Send it to me right now uh, at book.reviews.kill at gmail.com because I'm going to be sending them very quick. Well, Chad, I think that that wraps up our experience, our read-along, our synopses, our discussions, at least for these three books for Lycanius. And what a wild ride this has been. What an experience. This has been epic as hell. Lots of highs and lows. Ugh. Goods and bad. Late night encouragement texts. Late night <laughs> calls. There were times both throughout the course of this that uh, Evan and I would either one of us would be feeling down or just um, not understanding something. And the other one always stepped in and made it better or answered the questions that we had and we worked through it together. And like I said, if there's anything about these stories, it really helped. It was a great vehicle for you and me to get better at being podcasters and friends. And I really appreciate that whole experience. And though we are done with this series, we are certainly not done reading through <laughs> series. And the next series we'll be reading is the Greenbone Saga by Fonda Lee. The first book is called Jade City. You can go pick that up and read along with us. And that's there will be, be a, a link blast. to it in the description below. But until then, we have been Book Reviews Kill. Thank you so much for all of your time, all of your patience with us as we've kind of meandered through this soup. <laughs> And if you'd like to support us on Patreon, the link to our Patreon is in the description on this episode, of course, as is the link to our Discord page. If you want to hop in, we have a special Lycanius channel on the Discord that will keep up. And now we can have all the spoilers we want in there. Yeah. <laughs> the Lycanius tale may be over, but the book reviews kill journey has just begun. Ooh, I like that. Thank you. I just thought of it. <laughs> and until next time, everybody, hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening. Cheers. Bye, everybody. Woo! There it is. My roommate's not going to be stoked that I just streamed. It's like 2 in the morning. <laughs>